tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky, and the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. That is part of the law of the jungle, Rudyard Kipling. Ben, you know what I thought you were going to do? What did you think I was going to do? I thought you were going to do, now this is a story all about how <laughs> my life got flipped to upside down. We Let me take a that. minute, just sit right back, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, yeah. it's on the Bel Air. Uh <laughs> I think you nailed it. I guess if we wanted to do parody lyrics, it would be like, uh, now this is a story all about how my parents left me in the woods across town. i uh, like to take a minute, just sit right there, tell you how I grew up with a cat and a bear. You know what I mean? That's good. Uh, that's, nah, that's not my best I word. pulled up to that. That's all, that's all. I don't know. This is your bag, Ben. You did a good job there. Uh, yeah, because we're talking about, uh, what we're talking about? Sort of a, a slice of history, a type, a mm-hmm. thing that, that encompasses a couple of different periods. Mm-hmm. Um, the At the base of our story today is uh, one particular feral child that was found in India and likely served as the basis for one of your favorite um, racist works of fiction, Ben. <laughs> is it one of my, my favorite? Uh, I'm doing favorite in quotation yeah, fingers yeah. here. Well, uh, it is the Jungle Book is an amazing story. It's almost as amazing as our super producer Casey Pegram. But you're right, Noel. The story of Dina Sanichar, not his real name, as far as we know. Our story takes us to a part of India called Uttar Pradesh, which I may be mispronouncing. It's sort of like northern central India on the border of Nepal. And in 1872, there was a group of hunters who encountered a pack of wolves bounding through the forest, but not just any ordinary pack of wolves, right, Noel? No, they say, what ho? (laughs) I've sighted a man cub. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. On all fours, scampering as though he were a member of the pack. And then they proceeded to smoke the wolf pack out of their cave, kill the wolves, and bring this ma- this man cub to, like, a local orphanage. Because, you know, he, he clearly couldn't possibly be happy living in the, the woods free and, and naked and with his animal brethren. I feel like you've got a personal stake in this, bud. All right. You're yeah. right, Ben. Do I don't think? know. I just think, like, you know, I mean, it's so sad. They literally, there's different accounts of the story that they killed sure. all of the wolves or that they at least killed the mother wolf right. and, again, smoked them out of the cave. But, you know, it's such so presumptuous to me. It was, it was, he was like, what? Six years old, I want to say. Yeah, he was six. I guess, I don't know. I guess they felt like they were doing their, their Christian duty. They probably did. But, you know, the wolves most likely attacked them because, first off, they set a fire. And then they were actively intruding into, like, if a, unless a wolf is threatened or starving, it doesn't care what you do, human. Would these have been white hunters, Ben? Or would these have been Hindi, like, people from the region? Is this during colonialism or is this a little bit before? This is during the British Raj, so... So it's not clear if these were white hunters or if these were local men, and not that that really matters, but mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll get to that. So so the boy is brought to town, to the village, and to a, a mission-run orphanage that's run by a, a priest by the name of Father Earhart, who is very much trying to convert the local population to his type of his, his way of thinking right which is, yeah which is, which is catholicism he's a missionary right and he says he actually gives the kid his name the kid doesn't have a human name yet and so he names him dina and sanichar and sanichar means saturday that's right which is the day of the week that he was delivered to this mm-hmm. guy which i i think that checks out it's not a huge burst of creativity but i also think I also, this is just a personal aesthetic, Noel, but I think it's really cool when people have names their days of the week. Like Wednesday Adams, I thought that was great. That is cool. Somebody's last name is Saturday. They just feel kind of fun to me. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of his girl Friday, you know? Yeah. And also uh, Mr. Wednesday from American Gods. Yes, yes, Mr. Wednesday. I don't know any, I don't think I know anyone named Tuesday. If you're listening and you happen to be named Tuesday. Or after any day of the week. Or after any day of the week. We don't want to discriminate. Yeah, let us know. So what happens next? So what happens next is that Father Earhart says some things. We have a quotation from him that I think encapsulates the condescending attitude so prevalent at the time. He says that he thinks Sanachar is undoubtedly what he called pagal, meaning idiotic or slow. But he says, despite this, Sanachar still shows signs of reason and sometimes actual shrewdness. But what we know now, with the benefit of uh, retrospect, is that Sanachar's behavior had a lot in common with the behavior of other case similar cases of feral children. Yeah, and that's the thing. The most important takeaway from this and the interaction with some, we'll, we'll talk about some others. Mm. But they, there's a window, a very crucial window for language development, and and uh, this child had soundly missed that window. Mm-hmm. So it, it basically means that developing any kind of spoken in language or being assimilated into speaking with you know the folks in the village was going to be nigh on impossible. Right. That's that's the problematic part. 
you're absolutely correct about this, not just this concept of language learning or language acquisition, but also the concept of certain other behavior acquisitions. So Sanachar allegedly would not express himself in ways that seemed innately human. For instance, for a long time, we as a species assumed that smiling or laughter were innate things, sort of how like people used to say all babies are born knowing how to swim. You know what I mean? I thought you were going to say swear. <laughs> all babies are born knowing how to swear. And if, if, if look who's talking is any indication. Right, right. Uh, fantastic series of documentaries. But the problem with Sanachar is that he did not seem to laugh or smile, and he didn't seem to bond with people. With one notable exception, he would only bond with animals. There was a kid that he bonded with, which was uh, another feral child who came to the same orphanage. By this time, Sanachar had learned to wear human clothing. He could reportedly dress himself quote, with difficulty and keep track of his cup and his plate. But he showed this younger kid, they would hang out and he showed him how to drink from a cup. Yeah. And apparently he also became quite the chain smoker later, yes. later in life. Yeah, that was his, uh, that was his one big human habit he picked up, right? Yeah. What a, what a one to pick up. That's, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking when you think about this because in other cases or other alleged cases, we should say, because we can get into the, the science of this a little bit later, in, in many other cases where something like this is alleged to have occurred, there's not a way to fix it. You can mitigate some of the, um, some of the issues, mm -hmm. but you can't repair them. These, this, this guy, Sanachar, was likely incapable of, you know, going on to become a priest himself or make a TED Talk or well, here's, something. Here's my question for you, Ben. This is why I had such an axe to grind at the top of the show with these yeah. horrible, horrible men smoking out the, the lovely wolfen family that had raised this young lad. I think I know where you're going, yeah. Wouldn't he have just been better off frolicking in the forest free and naked with the wolf pack? Rather than at the Sikandra Mission Orphanage? Yeah. It's a good question. He's like stuck between two worlds, right? He can't fully be human and he can't fully be an animal. It's, it's just, uh, it's really heartbreaking if you think about it. Yeah, you know, and we have to ask ourselves, what's the, what is the ultimate um, priority? Is it quality of life? Is it because our civilization is doing something that, are, are we conflating living the way we do with living the correct way? You know what I mean? That's right. I think it's a. I, I, I mean, I think a, a, there's an inherent judgment call at play here. Is it about protecting the life of the child? Um, I don't know. Obviously, a six-year-old orphan running around with a bunch of wolves probably isn't the most safe thing in the world. But um, I'm not sure, Ben. I'm of two minds of it. It's clearly it's clearly causing me some conflict internally. There are arguments on both sides, you know. But when you see pictures of the guy, because there are actual photographs of Dina Sanachar, which is why we can put some more weight into this story uh, in comparison to other stories like Romulus and Remus raised by a wolf. That's mythology. There aren't any photographs of them. This, this guy, though, when you look at the pictures, it's heartbreaking, man. He's clearly uncomfortable having to wear these clothes. He doesn't look like he's super comfortable standing on two feet. No. 
standing on two legs, rather. And apparently he continued, like he did learn to eat from a plate, like you said, but he continued to prefer raw meat to anything else, and he would still sniff it before eating it Mm -hmm. um, up until he passed away. Um, I believe at a pretty early age, if I'm not mistaken, from what's thought to have been tuberculosis. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Why don't we talk a little bit more about some other famous feral children throughout history, Ben, and kind of do a little contrast and compare? Sure, yeah. Let's uh, let's go with. Let's see. Do you want to? Why don't we start with children who had also been quote unquote raised by other animals? How's that sound? That does sound good to me, Ben. All right. Well, we have that. We have that other feral child that was found. Uh, and brought to the same mission orphanage, but then we have we have examples such as um, the Lobo Wolf Girl from 1845 to 1852. In 1845, she was seen running in Mexico on all fours with a pack of wolves attacking a herd of goats. A year later, she was seen with the wolves eating a goat. People tried to capture her; she was captured, but she escaped. And then she was seen in 1852 suckling two wolf cubs, at which point she ran into the woods and was never seen again. 
And I just want to backtrack just slightly. Um, India in particular has a history of producing these feral children. Um, in addition to Sanachir there and, and his, uh, his buddy who was at the orphanage, um, over the years there have been uh, – several other cases, including wolf children, panther children, Mm -hmm. dog children, chicken children, and even gazelle children. So um, this this is kind of mythology uh, that Rudyard Kipling would continue to kind of inject into the minds of the West. Um, There was some truth to it. Yeah, this is this is where we get into a little bit of a speculative thing, but I, I believe it's safe to speculate here. Rudyard Kipling was aware of the story of Dina, and he then went on to write The Jungle Book with the character of Mowgli. Now, did we talk about—we we, we kind of alluded uh, mm. pretty harshly to Kipling's mm. imperialist leanings mm-hmm. and his um, kind of inherent not-greatness. Um, what was he trying to communicate with the story of of the man cub beyond just the kind of lighthearted story of a of a boy you know connected back to nature mm-hmm. it's an interesting question so this guy is most well known for things like the jungle book maybe that mongoose story uh the poem if which is a wonderful poem but he is also the author of a poem called the white man's burden and This was not a sarcastic comment on his part or a sarcastic statement. When he is writing The Jungle Book, he is writing in a context of rampant othering and rationalization. So British forces at this time are thinking... We The the implicit problem is you cannot subjugate uh, people, an entire culture... And then say, oh, they are equal to us. We're just doing it because we want resources and we're, you know, we're no better than robbers. You have to say that we are somehow better. We are somehow more human, for lack of a better statement. So the white man's burden, is that like the inherent betterness of the white man and their mission to kind of indoctrinate anyone that they see as being lesser? Yeah, that's that's the idea. It's uh, that they are somehow ideologically freeing people who have existed thousands of years before. This idea of being backward or something like that, right? Right, right. Bringing them forward, awakening them to what they thought was the true religion, which would be something like the aristocracy, Christianity, capitalism, kind of all in its morass in its own mix. Uh, And then over time, making them a little less bad. Never white, never as good as the British just a little less bad, right? And this theme resonates in some of the ideas of um, things that would would be depicted in the U.S. as well, the concept of the noble, the quote-unquote noble savage. You've heard that, you know, like uh, untouched by the the fetters of true civilization. Which is kind of what Mowgli is meant to be. Mowgli is kind of this innocent babe in the woods who has this nobility, but of course, at the end of the story, pursues his destiny in the world of men. Because that's inevitable. Because that's what you're supposed to do. And this leads us to some other stories. You had mentioned that India had a, a, seemed to have a higher frequency of feral children. There was one named Shamdio in 1972 
which is pretty recent, right? Yeah. He was about four years old. Uh, he was found in a forest in India playing with wolf cubs. Apparently, his skin was very dark. He had long hooked fingernails. I don't know how much of this is true because they also say he had sharpened teeth, which feels a little out there for me. But he had calluses on his palms, elbows, and knees. Uh, he never talked. He learned sign language. He also was eating raw meat. Uh, he was admitted to Mother Teresa's home for the destitute and dying in Lucknow. He was renamed Pascal. He died in 1985. A lot of times after being apprehended, at least in these stories, feral children don't do well in society. Like you said, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that phrase, Noel. They don't fit in to either world completely. They're in this what's called a liminal space. They're on the border between the world of humanity and the world of animals that raise them. We also know that there's a, what you would call tantalizing science about feral children. There's not as much research on them as there should be. While there are several confirmed cases, there are a lot of speculative ones. And look, this is kind of dark, ridiculous historians, but it needs to be said. Sometimes when children appear to be feral, they may have run away because they experienced severe abuse or trauma. There was a girl in the Ukraine whose parents were very, very serious alcoholics. Her name was Oksana Malaya. In 1991, she was found living with dogs in a kennel. She was eight years old. She had been living with the dogs for six years because her parents left her outside one night and she crawled in with the dogs. Oh, wow. So that's something that, and just like we mentioned earlier with the uh, language acquisition window, she ran on all fours, panted with her tongue out, communicated like a dog. She only knew the words yes and no. And she was luckily, with intensive therapy, able to learn some basic social verbal skills. Now, or at the last report, she lives in Odessa and works with farm animals under the supervision of her caretakers. So that is a happy ending, but we have to remember, as easy as it is to romanticize this idea of someone uh, raised with animals and having this innate bond with them, it can this kind of bond can occur because of some very terrible things. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't know where the boy who would go on to be called Dina, what his story was, but surely, I mean, it sounds like he spent enough time with these creatures and they did not eat him mm. and he developed their traits that he was relatively safe. I don't know. I keep beating the drum for this whole let the kid live in the forest uh, line of thinking and I'm probably going to get some people yelling at me about that, but I stand by my position. I think it's good to have a position. I could see the the validity of the argument. You know, it's it's weird because this is not a perfect comparison, but back when I lived in Central America, there was this huge epidemic of stray dogs in particular, and they would run in packs. They had, you know, matted hair. They had all the problems that you would have if you were a stray dog. You didn't go to the vet and you were outdoors all the time. And I was talking to another expat, and I asked them, you know, what do you think about all these dogs? Should they round them up? Do people adopt dogs the way they do in the U.S. and all this other stuff? And he said, it used to really bother me, but look at them. They're so much more free than they would be in a kennel or something. And their lives are hard, but they're still their lives, you know? And I'm, st I'm still conflicted about that, you know what I mean? Because sure. are their lives that good? You know, how, first off, how long would he have lived 
like this in the woods if those hunters hadn't intervened. No, no. He would have lived longer than the wolves. He would have ultimately been alone again. That's very true. And I do see all that. So it's hard to say. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to say. Which life was better, I guess, is what I'm getting at, what I'm struggling with. Yeah, and I'm right there with you, man. Although, you know what I think we we should mention? You mentioned Gazelle, the Gazelle kid. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this Gazelle child, the story comes from someone named Jean-Claude Auger, who's an anthropologist and was traveling across the Spanish Sahara in 1960 when he met some nomads who told him that there was a wild child living a day's journey away. So he followed their directions. The next day, he sees this naked kid galloping in gigantic bounds along with a, quote, long cavalcade of white gazelles. The boy walked on all fours, sometimes assumed an upright gait, but he twitched his muscles, scalp, nose, and ears like the rest of the herd, ate desert roots. Uh, he appeared to be herbivorous, and his teeth were level like that of an herbivore. But he lived this way for at least another six years. People tried to catch him in a net suspended by a helicopter. But unlike so many other feral children, according to this story, he was never removed from his companions. Good. Yeah, so he... he I like that story. That's a happy ending. And he lived life as a gazelle. But, you know, I always, even from a young age, I always thought the life of something like a gazelle or a deer must be so... Oh, rife with panic and and paranoia and just, you know, death around every corner. So, you know what? Maybe I take it back. Running with the wolf pack might have been safer. Yeah, or like befriending some tigers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although although that could... uh, You have to work pretty hard to stay on their good side, right? Very true. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... 
We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And just to clarify, there was more than one gazelle boy. Uh, and there's also a rumor. The, the gazelle stories are interesting because there are rumors that the entire thing was a hoax made by board reporters. I see. So I don't know, because it sounds, it sounds kind of unusual, right? It really does. So what are some, what, what are, were there any examples that really stuck out to you of children raised by animals? Yeah, there were a few, but I, I do want to take an opportunity to point something out. Mm. And, and it's, it's more of uh, me pointing out that I'm kind of a dummy when it comes to this. I did not realize that Noam Chomsky was like this preeminent linguist. He kind of like wrote the paper that figured out about that window of language acquisition that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I only knew him from his political um, talks and his, uh, you know, anti-government uh, rhetoric. But apparently early on in his career, he was this like incredible linguist. Generative uh, grammar. Yeah, generative grammar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chomsky doesn't always get the, uh, the credit he deserves, at least in that field. You know what I mean? I, I feel like it's not something that was super out there. But um, it's fascinating. If you look into his work uh, in that field, he did some really important stuff. So um, moving on to some of my favorite feral children, I got one that stood out to me. At least it kind of – and it it sort of falls in line with what you were talking about earlier, Ben, about how you'd want to befriend uh, some lions and definitely more likely than being a gazelle boy. We've got Leopard Boy um, who was supposedly taken in by a leopardess in 1912 and – lived with her for three years. Of course, surprise, surprise, man enters the picture and kills the leopard um, and found her offspring, one of which was, was this boy who was now five years old. Um, and he, they found his family. And again, this was in India. Mm-hmm. And um, is very, very similar to uh, to the wolf boy, where he was most comfortable running around on all fours. Um, he had calluses to the point of almost like paw pads on his hands and feet. And he had a very tough hide just from, you know, can you imagine scampering through the woods and mm-hmm. getting nicked by tree branches and all, all manner of uh, roughage, you know? I mean, you would have to really develop some thick skin literally, right? Crawling up trees as well, right? Yep. And he was a biter and a fighter, as you might have to be. And he would eat live uh, chickens from around the the village. Straight up seahorse teeth, my man. Big time. You're bringing it back. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. I knew you would. One of, one of us had to. If we didn't, Casey would probably have jumped in right before the end. But this story is so sad. He actually apparently uh, gradually lost his sight due to cataracts. But that was just I mean, a coincidence. It had nothing to do with his upbringing or his Ooh. jungle days. So, you know, I put it to you. Would he have been better off? Hanging out with the leopard family in the jungle. I see how a well, man hadn't swooped in and murdered uh-huh. his mother. Yeah, it's a it's a philosophical question at this point, you know. Now, what uh, were, were there any other ones that really stuck out to you? I think we mentioned a chicken boy. We did. We should follow. We should deliver on that. 
This particular chicken boy came from Fiji, uh, and he was dubbed Sujit Kumar, the chicken boy of Fiji, and was found in 1978. And this is one of the sad ones, like you had mentioned earlier. Uh, Very, very sad. In fact, he had a very tragic, dysfunctional childhood. Um, His parents, as punishment, locked him in the chicken coop, uh, and his mother um, took her own life, and his father was killed. And apparently his grandfather, who sounds like a terrible... Twisted man kept him in the chicken coop and was there for eight years. He was found in the middle of the road clucking and, oh and flapping his arms and, and pecking at his food. This is, this is dark, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end on this one. Well, it does have a happy ending because he got out. Yeah. And he has human assistance. And, uh, you know, according to everything that I've found, he's still living and uh, he is cared for by the woman who rescued him from the home, a woman named Elizabeth Clayton. So um, good good on her. That is a dark one, though. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying nowadays, were I out in the wilderness and I saw a dirty, naked kid running around with any sort of animal, I would feel responsible. I would feel like I have to call the authorities. Yes, and- in case the kid had, you know, been lost or uh, separated from their parents. It's true. Know. It's true, Ben. I don't know why I've got such an axe to grind about this. I think a lot of it has to do with just man thinking he knows best. No, but here's the thing. I mean, very ageist about this, because if I walked out and I saw somebody our age running around naked with some wolves or whatever, I would just say, keep going, man. More power to you. You know what I mean? They've clearly made their choice. But let us know what you think. Would would age matter if you saw somebody running uh, naked through the woods with some animals? Would the type of animal matter? You know? Uh, and we want to hear your stories of uh, any feral children, whether you think they're anecdotal or whether you think they are backed up by evidence. Because as we were looking through this, we found a lot of these were either, I hate to say sensationalized, but maybe exaggerated in some cases. Sure. You know, in some cases, there were some actual, I'll call them con jobs uh, in Europe in days of yore. But we, as always, want to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, We especially like to recommend our community page, Ridiculous Historians, which has really been cooking with gas really has. Um, So please join us over there. We'd like to thank our super producer, Casey Pegram, as always, for being uh, straight seahorse teeth. Our favorite new expression. <laughs> we gotta use it like once an episode. Now, no, we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to over. We don't want to burn out. We on don't want to wear it thin. Um, we'd like to thank our buddy Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Our research associates, Christopher, Eves, and Gabe. And I would like to thank uh, you, Noel, because I have been sneak eating Doritos this entire episode, trying not to be rude. I just S- haven't eaten today. Spoiler alert: wasn't that sneaky, bro? Oh, could you hear it? I can smell the dust. <laughs> Well, hopefully it doesn't translate to the uh, to the podcast. Let us know. Did you hear Ben sneak eating? Shame him. Did you uh, congratulate me? There you go. You always have to uh, be, you know, it's better to be positive. Very true, Ben. Very true. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
For the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.